Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Titans postgame show. Robert with Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. And Sean, just one year after the Texans had the second worst NFL record, they are one win away from 10 wins and the playoffs. Yeah, it'd be just the fifth time in franchise history that they'd gotten 10 or more wins in a season. It's already the ninth time in franchise history where they've at least had nine wins. Um, this feels like a season in which, you know, there could be many other firsts, um, but you just can't seem to get a Texans game 60 minutes, 70 minutes, whatever it takes without somebody going down with uh, at least a significant individual going down with an injury. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the next week plays out, how next weekend goes, your regular season finale against the Colts, uh, what healthy bodies you have available to you, and then beyond. If they're able to take care of business, then it's really on. But I just wonder how deep uh, this team is going to be able to be going into a postseason potentially. Yeah, I guess I'll have to sacrifice my Laramie Tunsil and throw him into the dungeon pit of injuries to get back C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and Blake Cashman. And obviously, that's a big deal. And those guys were significant. And it was so nice, Sean. It was so nice not to sweat out a close game. I enjoyed a stress-free blowout. It's been 13 weeks since the Texans won a game by more than seven points. Who was that against? Jackson, uh, Jacksonville or Pittsburgh? I can't remember. Was that the last time they've had a comfortable win? Yeah, it was Pittsburgh. That was it. <laughs> yeah, it's been absolutely nuts. I think uh, you're right. Coming into this game, seven out of the last nine games that they'd had, uh, Browns and Jets notwithstanding, they uh, played in one-score games, games decided within the two last two minutes, games decided within the last 30 seconds. It's been absolutely nuts. and. I, I don't know what today really is supposed to say about this Texans team because there's games that you go into this season where you fully expect the Texans to either blow the brakes off of somebody, win pretty handily, they look like the better team on paper, but they've lost, you know, some some stinkers. Uh, you think about the Panthers game, you think about the Falcons game, which is weeks and weeks back, and maybe that one's a little unfair because you didn't really know what you had just yet. Uh, but certainly the Jets game stands out as a massive stinker. And then uh, just the no-show last week against the Cleveland Browns, I was intimidated coming into this game. I didn't know what to expect. It's it's always, you know, to be expected that it, it's going to be a gummed-up game with AFC South opponents involved in it already. Never mind, this is the second time in three weeks that the two teams will be facing off against each other. You didn't really know what to expect with C.J. Stroud. And you didn't know what Will Anderson was going to look like, Blake Cashman, how capable uh, they really were going to be. You know they're not 100%, but it's just incredible. I mean, it was the most dominating performance. And now they've had two in the last three weeks by this defense. Uh, they're clicking just at the right time, man. Yeah, it kind of makes a difference if you're playing one of the hottest teams in football right now. Let's just say that the Cleveland Browns are one of the hottest teams in football right now and you're playing against the number one defense, and you go from that to playing against the Titans, which is not a good team. You're playing against Will Levis, which is a rookie quarterback, and you're playing with C.J. Stroud, with Will Anderson, um, with Blake Cashman. Maybe that particular guy goes a little bit under the radar for this one, but that's another guy that just it helps you out a little bit. And, um, Sean, I think, you know, when you look at it, this is – this shouldn't be that much of a surprise. You're also at home against a team that might be packing it in at this point. I mean, I thought they broke the Titans a couple of weeks ago. You had Derrick Henry talking about how this might be this last season with the Titans and uh, leaving doubt there. And you literally almost broke Will Levis. They finished the job today, <laughs> obviously knocking him out pretty early uh, on the Jerry Hughes uh, sack. And so, I, I just you didn't you you thought you thought you knew what you sh what should happen, but you didn't know until you see this thing kind of come together. And uh, I'm just I I left today 
really impressed on both sides of the ball. One, how flawless, maybe flawless is the wrong way to put it, but I'll say uh, how much that offense just clicked with C.J. Stroud operating, especially early, just boom, 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 moving down the field. And um, look, they could obviously do better in the red zone and things like that. They didn't pitch a perfect ball game, and you rarely ever do, but uh, just the complimentary football. You know, they've had a handful of these games this season. Talk about Jacksonville. You talk about Pittsburgh. Um, I, I thought the New Orleans game was pretty good. Um, Broncos game was pretty dang good, too. You know, all things considering doing without your uh, doing that without your starting quarterback, where you got uh, special teams play when you needed it. You got the defense to show up when you needed it, when the offense was really struggling. To me, this was another one of those games where you got massive contributions in all facets, and the Texans needed it. Yeah, Tiff Tiff says uh, in the comments, the offense was light and easy for CJ and the comeback. And I'm going to get to the offense a little bit as this goes along. Again, we want to hear you get in the comments. We're going to unpack it possession by possession. A couple near big play touchdowns by both teams in that first possession. Burks beats Steven Nelson and Houston Carson deep, but drops a great throw from Will Levis. Then Desmond King nearly had a pick six it ends in a three and out like so so what you know let you forget about that but you know all that stuff sort of adds up later in the game and in Stroud's first drive back Texas put together a nice drive nothing super explosive after two incompletions at the 10 Fairbairn puts the Texans up by three Sean you know uh going back to that first defensive possession by the Texans what did that first deep strike uh to Trey Burks look like to you did that look familiar at all? Did yes. that look like you might have seen that in the last week or so? Uh, identical play uh, to Trey Burks in which Amari Cooper last week split the corner and the safety. And Burks, any deep ball like that, splitting two defenders, and it was pretty well covered. It's a tough play to make uh, when you're going to have to kind of sort of lean and almost dive for the ball. But very lucky that he doesn't make that play. Because if it does, um, believe what you want to, but that can kind of very easily suck the wind out of a defense. And if you're the Titans, boom, you go back down there and you go bada-bing, bada-boom, maybe you get in the end zone, you try to hurry up. Who knows what the complexion of this game looks like if they're able to get a big strike there on the opening drive of the season. I feel like more times than not, when the Texans you know, have been on defense to start games, the offense, the opposition has – move the ball pretty well down the field. And I feel like they've scored points more times than not. I thought that was a huge first stop uh, by the Texans defense. And it set the tone. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you only were able to get three points on the board, that 28 yard field goal by Kaimi Fairbairn. But I thought it was really huge that you got Singletary going, you know, he had that four yard run to start their first offensive possession. Then, boom, he busts one for eight yards, then another five yards on a toss in which Brevin Jordan did a fantastic job uh, lead blocking. Um, I, I thought it all worked really so well together today, and it was nice at this stage of the season with everything that the Texans have gone through with the offensive line and the inability to consistently run the ball where you could lean in to the run game today to kind of help C.J., ease back into the flow of things. Yeah, and, and and there's other stuff that was involved offensively that I want to hit in just like two seconds. But the Titans forced a punt near midfield. The Texans get a break after their three and out because the Titans run into punter Cam Johnston. Some big breaks for the Texans early in this game. From their beautiful drive, ending in a 13-yard uh, Brevin Jordan touchdown catch. But, Sean, really for me, early in this game and throughout the game, Bobby Slowick, who I've been disappointed at times recently, some really good play calling, and Stroud with some quick, accurate passing. Both of those things really worked perfect for those first two drives and, and for most of the first half. Nico Collins, C.J. Stroud, man. I mean, that little one-two punch, uh, I'm really, really liking that. And I've liked it for a long time. And I thought Nico was going to be very key uh, to C.J. Stroud's success today. Uh, and vice versa, really, um, because Nico's ability to get open quickly, his exceptional route running ability, and 
you know, you couple that with Stroud's accuracy. Granted, look, many people might not have expected it to go as well. Maybe a little rust from CJ. I mean, it looked like those guys picked up right where they'd left off. I thought they were huge in the route concepts. You know, uh, as you mentioned with the play calling from Bobby Slowick today, some good out routes. Nico able to break them off pretty easy. Little crossers again. Um, to me, I thought like the one of the keys in today's game was you know the design of the offense where you saw so many times if it was Dalton Schultz or Brevin Jordan just kind of be that leaky tight end out in the flat. It really set some things up, but it was only successful because of what they were able to get accomplished, you know, blocking in the run game. When they chip and in release, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, Brevin scored a touchdown on a, on a play kind of like that where he acts like he's going to block, boom, leaks out, and it's an easy six for the Texans. Those were all huge. Texans defense with a huge play. Next, Jerry Hughes, strip sack, Sheldon Rankins, easy recovery and score. Sean, Hughes played that perfectly. He didn't worry about the hit, went straight for the strip. <laughs> it was it was great. And it, that's it's funny you say that because more times than not this season, that's what the Texans defense is trying to do is punch the ball out. But you're right. I mean, he didn't extend his arms and, you know, try to drive Levis into the ground by any means. He was he got there, he got home, and he did whatever he could to get that ball out and uh, got Levis put down and obviously ended up knocking him out of the game. And first defensive touchdown by the Texans all season long, Sheldon Rankins, Johnny on the spot, man, took that in, um, which was huge. You know, the uh, pessimist in me, the cynic in me, immediately looked, you know, to the right uh, from my vantage point. I was looking for any yellow on the field, and thank goodness there wasn't any. My only gripe with Jerry Hughes is he got Will Levis hurt, and I kind of want Will Levis healthy next week because – we need a win from them next week. Remember that, Sean? They're playing Jacksonville. We need some help, you know, to win this division. Yeah, well, you know, Ryan Tannehill, uh, to me, is is as capable of anybody. I mean, you, you like Levis, Levis, I think, if you're Titans. And uh, I like watching him, you know, just because when you're the opposition, um, at least for me, you're hoping that we get some much better quarterback play within the division for years to come. But, um the Jacksonville Jaguars could have gotten a better opponent this week. If you're the Texans, they played the lowly Panthers. Didn't get any help there. I presume because the last time I looked up, it was 16 to nothing. I don't know what that ended up being, but um, I don't know this Titans team. It might very well be broken. So regardless of how next week shakes out, as long as the Texans take care of business, they're in, it may not be as AFC South championship, but they'd be in as the seventh seed. Yeah, and I and I think if you look at the playoffs right now, as you and I speak right after this game, the Texans are the seventh seed. You know, you know, we know what's got to happen next week, but that's just pretty cool that they're at the seventh seed as we go into the final week. Tannehill replaces Levis, but the Texans force a quick punt. Texans respond. Seven play, 44-yard drive for a field goal. The big play, 21-yard pass to Nico that Keenum or Mills would have had no chance to complete, Sean. I mean, this was just a classic, like, this is what C.J. Straw does that our other quarterbacks just can't do, and we saw that throughout the first half. Yeah, no question. Um, that was huge. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago leading into the Jets game where when the Texans, you know, get a chunky play in the course of a drive, um, more times than not, they score a touchdown. In fact – Every time they'd scored a touchdown, they'd, going into that Jets game, and I erase that one for many reasons, but going into that Jets game with C.J. Stroud as your quarterback, Texans had scored 31 touchdowns. On all but six of those touchdowns, the Texans, when they'd gotten a chunky play in the air of at least 20 yards, they'd scored six. And the exceptions were exceptional field position in which they'd started at least from the 50-yard line or they'd been the beneficiary of a massive pass interference call by the defense, some shape or form, they've gotten a chunk play. For them to have to settle for a field goal on that drive particular, and they've had to, they had to do it a couple of times you know, today, where they didn't get some chunky plays, um, you know, relatively speaking, as they're used to, certainly with C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins both being healthy, but um, I think that's something they probably go back and look at today when they're, you know, playing from the 40 in. They'd certainly like to capitalize more 
instead of settle for so many field goals as they did today. Yeah, I, I, I want to hit that in, in a little bit, the, the settling, quote unquote, for the field goals. But after a couple of punts, let's talk about the end of the half. The Titans trying to score before the half, but we talked about C.J. Stroud. Let's talk Will Anderson. He sacks Tannehill on consecutive plays. The Titans come away with a 55-yard field goal. But, Sean, good to have Anderson back. Two sacks, three quarterback hits, and two tackles for loss just in the first half of this game. Yeah, it was fan- that was a great back-to-back stretch there for Will Anderson. You know, pushed the Titans back 17 yards. Um, an absolute big stop right there. And it's uh, just a momentum uh, carryover for the Texans. And to be able to get that guy back after missing the last two weeks, the high ankle sprain, to be able to get that sort of explosive you know, type of play where he's just in the backfield, boom, almost immediately. Uh, that's huge. And the, the, to the degree in which the Texans used Anderson today, I'd be interested to see the snap count. But early on, you know, he was kind of a third down guy, you know, out, you know, as Jerry Hughes and Derek Barnett, you know, went to work. Uh, it, was, it was good to see the Texans didn't have to lean so heavily on, you know, Will Anderson and Blake Cashman. Uh, today, who looked, you know, terrific, by the way. And I had a chance to talk to him after the game, and he said the body feels great. Um, two weeks were much needed uh, for the rest of the body as he was rehabbing the hamstring. So um, you get those two guys back feeling pretty good this stretch of the season. That's uh, a huge plus for the Texans. Just the one down part of this game was, of course, losing Laramie Tunsil for the Texans. And, and, and this brings me to a question, because this happens in the first half, Sean. And I want to talk about this before we get to the second half. Larry Tunsil goes down. George Fant comes in and plays left tackle. Charlie Heck started at right tackle. Um, there are some people wondering what's going on with George Fant because he was available last week. He was available this week. Neither game is he starting at right tackle. He's played great right tackle the whole year. And Charlie Heck, given his opportunity, has not. What is the deal with George Fant? Why was he not starting at right tackle the last couple of weeks? And Jones wasn't even active today. So they they could have like had if they didn't feel like Fant was ready or wasn't healthy enough to play right tackle, then I would have had Jones active instead of George Fant. I I don't quite get what's going on here. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's a really good point. What's up with Jones not being active, by the way? He just took the first shot the other night at the Rockets game. Um, <laughs> it was kind of curious for me, but uh, I actually caught up with George Fant after the game. I got an exclusive. You can check it out on my Twitter at Sean Bajani. Um, and he was kind of in a rush to go. And I didn't want to be, you know, too pushy, especially, you know, given the circumstance where he was trying to get out of there and, you know, after a win. But I did ask him, you know, how tough the last couple of weeks on him has been where, you know, look, he's battling a hip injury, but hadn't shown up on the injury report the last week and a half. And he hadn't played right tackle. What was it like for him, you know, getting the call, having to come in and play left? And he'd said, I'm a paraphrase here, but he'd said, yeah, you know, the last few weeks have been really tough on me dealing with some things. And then the hip injury. So there's a couple of things going on there. Personal, personal stuff, you're thinking. Personal stuff, uh, personal in terms of maybe not necessarily real-life situation away from football, but I think personal in the sense that it's business-related, uh, if you will. And I say that I don't want to be irresponsible here um, and, and, and tell you something that's not true, but all I can say is that I heard that this goes a lot deeper than just um, what a lot of people are saying in that Charlie Heck has just simply beat George Fant out at right tackle. I don't believe that to be the case, really, if you want to know the truth. But I cannot recall what I was told um, in a very rushed fashion a couple of weeks ago in terms of what's really going on. But I just tell you this, it's a lot deeper than just him beating, getting beat out, and it's a lot deeper than just him being banged up. Yeah, and this is a more of a big picture concern for me at this point because going into next year, the guys that you have assigned a tackle are two, Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil. Tunsil has been banged up all year. Titus Howard's probably not starting next year healthy. 
I mean, there's a good chance he's not ready to go in game one. So the guy that you would have thought that they could just re-sign as a good, solid veteran has been the guy that's been great this year. I thought George Fant. I mean, he's been rock solid. I mean, he's, this is not a pro bowler, but he's been rock solid for him. Josh Jones, they don't even have confidence to have him active or playing ahead of Charlie Heck, even though yeah. he's looked better. He's had a year in his career where he looked really solid. Charlie Heck's played in, in, in some in some games, and when he has played, you're like, eh, it's kind of scary with Charlie Heck. So, I mean, that's a real concern, Sean, going into next year, if there's like some disagreement with them and George Fant, because they need a, they need a tackle that's ready to go and ready to start week one in case Titus can't go or in case Lermy Tunsil's dealing with these regular injuries like he's starting to deal with. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's all fair. Um, George Fant, you know, I talked to him uh, 13 days ago before that Jets game. And I asked him if he'd rethought about uh, if he if he started thinking about, you know, the trajectory of his career and how that might change due to the success that he's had as a starting right tackle for the Texans this season, um, getting that call early on, stepping in for Titus Howard uh, in training camp, who at the time had broken his hand. And he'd said, look, I came in thinking I was going to be a backup and I was going to reset my market. I thought that was kind of curious at the time, but the more and more I go back and I listen to that interview that I did with him, it makes all the sense in the world. It doesn't sound selfish. doesn't sound um, like anything at all, but I also think that that could be the impetus of what's going on behind uh, the scenes with George Fant in terms of his overall focus, and that might have affected um, you know, some things going on in terms of his playing, and I, that's just me trying to piece things together, and it's probably a little bit deeper than that, but I mean, it's true. He has reset the market. He has shown again this season that he could be a starting level right tackle in this league. He's done it before uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. That's why the Texans went out and got him. Uh, added value there. Um, and again, you saw the reason why today. Good depth, right tackle, left tackle, doesn't matter for him. He went out there and was effective. And I'll just say this too, you know, because things may not change going into week 18 for the Texans on the offensive line, at least in terms of the right side and what's going on there with Charlie Heck uh, being the right tackle now, probably had his best game as a Houston Texan today, did Charlie Heck. And I, I think has played a very solid two out of the last three games. Look, the Cleveland Browns game, everybody stunk that one up. Um, but I thought Heck, you know, made one of the most important blocks in that Broncos game that allowed Case Keenan to drive the ball down the field, score that uh, tying touchdown late to Noah Brown. Uh, preceded the uh, Dalton Schultz catch of him ripping the ball away from McCreary a couple of weeks ago. So I, I think, um, you know, while the Texans have had because of injury to move so many pieces around the offensive line, at some point you don't want to do it just because a guy is supposed to play there. Um, you want to create some sort of consistency uh, and in whatever form or fashion it comes. I mean, that's the decision they've decided to make, but, Thankfully, today, it didn't come at the cost of, you know, C.J. Stroud taking any significant hits. I mean, the one time that he put himself on the line was a four-yard scramble. And I think collectively, 70,000 people, at least in this stadium, and probably hundreds more thousands watching this game on TV that are Texan fans probably crap themselves <laughs> when C.J.'s running for his life down the right sideline. But thankfully, he was good. Yeah, uh, Tiff Tiff says Noah Brown hurt again. You can also add, he didn't mention this, but. Robert Woods got banged up. That's a concern, like he said, because Mechie both and hip Hutchinson. injuries. Yeah, both yeah. injuries. Mechie and Hutchinson, they've been underwhelming. Mechie has just been not underwhelming. He's just been really bad. I mean, he can't seem to catch your pass most of the time. So that's a uh, that's kind of a big deal. Um, and and then, you know, another thing that was a positive though, Texans zero penalties in the first half. It helps when you don't shoot yourself in the foot. They start the second half though with another nice scoring drive for a field goal. Nico hurt his hand in the middle of the drive, so Stroud didn't have him in the red zone. I felt like that was a big deal because they were having trouble getting guys open outside of Nico for most of the game. And, uh, you know, I thought Stroud played smart, Sean, during this game because he wasn't taking chances in the red zone. He made sure he got three points. And as you were talking about, he didn't take unnecessary hits. Maybe and that was, and, and that was, he, yeah, he went, he took one sack that I just, you know, that was a coverage sack that I didn't think was necessary, but overall, at least it, to this point in the game, he hadn't taken that sack, but overall he took one unnecessary hit the whole game, but he got rid of the ball quickly. That I'm sure that was part Slowick and part 
CJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, and that was uh, definitely a big discussion point. It had to be between uh, those two guys. And look, CJ's talked about uh, all season long, at least in terms of how it's, uh, as the season's progressed, that he knows he needs to make some better decisions, you know, and not take some hits and get rid of the ball, throw it away and uh, things like that. And that sack you're talking about that he did take the one today, I think it was on the second offensive series of the second half for a 12 yard loss. That wasn't necessary. Uh, you've got to be able to just throw the ball away in that instance. Uh, I thought he had time to set his feet, get rid of it. Now he might've taken, Oops, looks like we might have lost you for a second. Hopefully we'll get you back. But yeah. I, um, he'll, as he says, bank, I, he'll bank those. Start, start, all, start again, Sean. We lost you for a couple, uh, a few seconds there. Yeah, that NRG internet, man, going out. About an hour after game time, it hits. But uh, I, just that one 12-yard loss on the sack that Stroud took, all I was saying is that uh, I think he'll go back and look at that one and bank it, as he says. Um, and, and make a make a different play, get rid of the ball next time. Because I thought he had an opportunity to set his feet and get rid of it. Well, he had Singletary out on the right side, I think out in the flat. So you could have either yeah. thrown it to him or just thrown, him over, thrown it over his head and just not taking the sack, not taking the hit. You know, the Titans drive inside the Texans five after that, basically stopped the Titans on seven downs <laughs> inside the five um, where, was where that whole thing started from. The Desmond King penalty gave them four more downs. You know, again, I just sometimes I feel like that these whistles, these penalties and whistles are so close that the refs just don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. Desmond didn't use his helmet. He did. I mean, he basically grabbed the ball from him, and that's what knocked the quarterback down. But whatever, the Texans still stopped him. Doesn't matter. You still can't score. You can get 30 downs, Titans. You're still not going to score on that Texans defense in this game. Christian Harris, nice pass defense, defense on fourth down. And, John, it's hard to deny the progress Christian Harris has made the last few weeks. You know, he had, in my eyes, uh, maybe there was another one, but he had one really bad play today, and that was it. It was a missed tackle uh, when the Titans are driving to the south end zone. Uh, and he just he played with his head down, didn't see what he was going to hit, and didn't get the helmet across the body. Guy slipped for a 10-yard gain and a first down. You know, uh, if this defense – has shown the ability to overcome those things. And look, it's not ideal. You you want to make those plays. I mean, if he makes that play, it goes for like, I think maybe a no gain or a one yard gain. It ended up going for 10 because of the missed tackle. Outside of that, Christian Harris, man, the job that he's done in stifling anything any offense wants to do in the flat with a tight end or a running back, the guy's just been on it. He's been a very, very smart player as the season's progressed in terms of what he's able to see and sift and sink down onto that receiver in the backfield. I thought he's done a great job, and it was highlighted there in that fourth and three play uh, you're talking about. Great pass deflection there. Uh, I thought it was huge. I mean, for the Texans' defense overall to stifle a 17-play, 72-yard drive that ate up nearly nine minutes on the clock, uh, for the Titans to come away with nothing, that was a beautiful thing. After a Texans punt, Derek Barnett puts the defensive cherry on top of the Sunday with a fourth down sack under the radar great game from Barnett. Four quarterback hits, six tackles, a tackle for loss, and a sack and a half, Sean. Yeah, I think Heinish got credit for uh, one of the other uh, Derek Barnett sacks. I think it might have been the second one. Put yeah. my head down, looked up too late. But uh, Derek Barnett, um, you know, another, I think another major piece, uh, just given, you know, the injuries that the Texans have sustained defensively, the ability by Nick Casario to go out and find guys uh, off the waiver wire and for D'Amico to be able to bring them in quickly, coach them up and have them impact the game positively is huge. I don't know who else is, you know, making a case around the league for executive of the year, but uh, typically when you see a turnaround like this in the NFL, your general manager ought to be in the discussion. And it's it's guys like this, pickups like this, with, uh, you know, Khalil Davis identifying him, Derek Barnett identifying him, uh, being able to come back, you know, shouldn't have let him go to begin with, but go out and get Desmond King and have him be the impact player, the leader that he is, one of them anyway, on that defense. Huge. I mean, it's just check, 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 you know, up and down the boxes in terms of talent evaluation, but quickly implementing these guys. Kareem Jackson, another one, 
you know, who got some uh, playing time today, uh, made a play or two. Um, just, just impressive across the board uh, from talent acquisition, evaluation, and implementation for both Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans defensively. Yeah, another thing that Des King does is he gives you punt returns, and that's a big deal because, you know, you, you don't have Tank Dell right now. Um, you, you've had other guys do it, but Desmond King's a guy that can do uh, things in the secondary, help you there, and do the punt returns in addition to it, and, and do it and do it really well. So that was a big deal. The other thing about, you know, when you look at the Texan secondary, Sean, you know, Jalen Petrie continues to concern concern me, but I'm not seeing anything too bad from some of the other guys that I, I was worried about. Houston Carson, like I said, got beat a little bit over the top. I'm not thrilled with him. Um, but, you know, they added Kareem Jackson. I don't know how much he played. I saw him out there for a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you're getting something done with, a little bit with the Adrian Amos. He's been out there. I don't see him get, getting beat. I don't see him in spots where he shouldn't be unless I'm missing something. But uh, it's a big deal to have uh, some of these guys step up where, you know, you've had all of these. I mean, we forget, Sean. Go back. Remind everybody. The Texans lost a couple of safeties early in the year that could have been their third and fourth safety, the way Jalen Petrie's played this year, really their, their second and third safety. And then, you know, you don't have Jimmy Ward. He's in and out all the time. They matter. Tell everybody, remind everybody how good those guys are. Mur Murray, obviously, Eric uh, Murray, really, yeah. really, really solid. Yeah, Eric Murray, and I can't remember who was the other safety they lost early. They lost both of their backup safeties. MJ Stewart, I believe, you're yeah, right? MJ. MJ's been awesome, man. And that was a guy that a lot of people put their eyes on last season with the Texans. It was like, hey, man, this dude this dude could play a little ball, you know, and he's got some physicality to him, you know, seems to make some plays in coverage and certainly did so in the pinch last year uh, for the Texans and was a part of what was supposed to be the most confident and comfortable you are with any group on the entire team this secondary this season and for you to lose depth very quickly early in the year and Jimmy Ward to start the year banged up and you know now he's out for the season Jalen Petrie struggles you mentioned uh, Amos you know, another uh, you know reason why you give got to give Nick Casario some props uh, DeAndre Houston Carson <laughs> you know to me has come in and, and look like a starting level player at times for me. He's made some big plays for the Texans here in the last month or so. Um, so on, on, on kind of, uh, you know, just you, you flip script a little bit as weak as the secondary was starting to look just over the course of the last week with Petrie struggles and Ward out and not having all kinds of faith in guys like maybe Kadar Holman and DeAndre Houston Carson and Adrian Amos, you know, to be significant contributors. You bring in Kareem Jackson to, to kind of stabilize the ship, so to speak, with the mentorship ability, the leadership ability that he's given you. Uh, that really has to kind of ease tensions a little bit for, for the Texans and, and, and the fans that are paying attention to this. And um, I, I think it cannot be overstated the ability to go out and get a guy that has been through what he has been through, seen what he's seen in Kareem Jackson like that. When you lose a guy like Jimmy Ward, you get a guy like, guy like K-Jax uh, who comes in and plays right away. And uh, he's, he's going to be knee deep in it now going forward. And hopefully the Texans have a few more games to play outside of next week. Sean, I, I want you to fact check me. See if I, if you're, if I'm forgetting somebody on this list, but I threw this out. Because, you know, everybody's talking about C.J. Stroud, what kind of year he's had. We are now into the going into the last week. In this game, he was playing with, correct me if I'm wrong, his fourth left tackle. The guys that I remember playing there are Tunsil, Deculis. I think Josh Jones has played there, and now George Fant. His fifth left guard, uh, both of the green boys, um, you had Titus Howard playing there. Um, we've seen, uh, obviously, Juice Scruggs recently. And, and, and I feel like I'm there's one other guy I'm forgetting, but there was another left guard. It's his third center, obviously, Jared Patterson. Oh, you mentioned Kendrick Green, right? He was here for a yeah, couple of yeah, games. Yeah, the Green boys. Yeah. I mentioned the Green boys. Yeah, okay. Those were two, the Titus Howard. There was, there was, somebody, else there was somebody else besides Titus. Um, Jones. But, 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 yeah, Josh Jones. That's right, Josh Jones, right. 
So, and, and their third center with, you know, Patterson, Dieter, um, and uh, Weston Mary, obviously yeah. started the year. And then his third right tackle, you know, with Fant and Titus. Well, Titus started the year. I don't even know if I should count Titus, but it's been, no, you know, he, it's, he didn't play in a game. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, Fant has definitely played there. Charlie Hex played at right tackle. And that um, one time, that one time that Michael Dieter came in at right tackle, that didn't go so well. I remember that. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it, it's either his third or fourth right tackle. These are this is what he's played with this year. Yeah. These guys that are playing, except for the Shaq Mason position, it has been a total and complete catastrophe. Who he's got out there and Juice Scruggs. I keep saying he's a center playing guard because I don't think he's a he's a rookie that's playing out of position. In a, in a spot that I don't think he should be playing. And, and really, he wasn't playing much in college fo- football, I, I, if I'm correct. Mm. They thought he could do that position, but it wasn't something that, you know, he was super familiar with, and it wasn't what he was playing his last year in college football. So, and, and you know, you throw in the three scoring drives that he had in the first half to, to do that behind that offensive line, five interceptions. He still didn't throw an interception this game, so it's still five on the year. He's only missed two games. So, if he plays next week and doesn't throw an interception, if this was the old 16-game season, he would have missed one game and thrown five interceptions. But still, whatever. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's even more impressive when you think of, like, we're in a 17-game season schedule now. Yeah. And then he's 10th at the NFL in passing yards to going into the d- today despite missing two starts. And now he's four quarters away from taking the second-worst team in the NFL to the playoffs. And I know they're trying to, you know, force all these other quarterbacks into the MVP talk and the conversation. But again, I'm going to say CJ Stroud, if you really start thinking about it, like real world, start thinking about, you know, who has had the most impact on a team this year and, and in the certain circumstances, I mean, how can you, how could anybody say CJ, anybody's had more of an impact than CJ Stroud, you know, all respect to Lamar Jackson and, Brock Purdy. It's just I I want to keep reminding people like this offensive line he's played behind this year is unprecedentedly hurt. Unprecedentedly yeah. hurt. Yeah, I mean, no question. And you know, to do in large part what he's done without uh, a run game, you know, for eighty five percent of the season. <laughs> if we're being honest, I mean, yes. there's maybe four games, including this one today, that you could really kind of hang your hat on and say, you know what? Yeah, Texans can live with that uh, sort of run production. Uh, and the times in which you've been pretty successful running the football hadn't always come in victories. You know, you had the two, um, uh, the buck 20, I think, and the buck 50 game that were weeks back to back, uh, back to back weeks for Devin Singletary, uh, obviously today. And then, uh, the Broncos is pretty serviceable. If I recall, I think, uh, uh, Singletary averaged around 4.4, 4.8 yards per carry in that one as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors in which would significantly help an argument for CJ Stroud, but I mean, uh, when you miss games, you're at your case. Uh, Lamar Jackson, especially doing what he did today uh, for the Ravens against the Miami Dolphins, probably runs away with the whole thing, uh, for being honest. But uh, it shouldn't take anything away from uh, just what you know as Houston Texan fans that you have in a quarterback uh, that maybe you haven't ever had. Um, and I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. That might be the only other close one you know that you'd felt as good about. But, I mean, Stroud has so many – more of the uh, intangible qualities uh, that Deshaun uh, could never even dream of possessing. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's a pretty fantastic thing. You know, you're talking about the offensive line. This was certainly the seventh different starting version of an offensive line. In terms of having to change throughout the course of a game, I think this is the 12th different version of a of an offensive line the Texans have had to roll with when Laramie Tunsil went out today George Fant comes in and plays left tackle that's a lot and that that's the most in the league it has to be um you know I think next to the New York Jets maybe who have had the most different offensive line combinations in the entire NFL this season and you see how well things have gone for them <laughs> right and I'm being sarcastic obviously everybody knows that so yes this is a fantastic um, you know, output of production when you talk about all of the things that have just gone wrong health-wise uh, and otherwise uh, in regards to the Texans. It's fantastic. Yeah, before we go, I'll just remind everybody, if you missed the numbers, Stroud 24 for 32, 213 yards, the touchdown, no picks, 102 passer rating, 
first game back after the concussion, just looked rock solid the entire game. And he's doing it with really a bunch of backup receivers and Nico Collins out there. Well, Robert Woods, to a degree, was helping, but then he got hurt later in the game. Dalton Schultz, I think, you know, had another really solid game with some nice catches there. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Nico just makes a world of difference to have CJ Stroud throw onto you seven catches, 80 yards for him. Woods had four catches for 58. Revan Jordan, nice game. Um, you mentioned his blocking, which is good. I'm glad you mentioned that. And he also had the two catches and the touchdown. So, you know, you had all that stuff going on and it gets lost in the mix. There are 12 points on the board today on field goals by Kaimi Fairbairn and Fairbairn. You know, you just take it for granted when Fairbairn's out there that those kicks are going through. But, you know, he's four for four. One of them was a 50-plus yard field goal. So, you know, a little tip of the cap to Fairbairn, too. Why not? Yeah, no, 100%. I don't think uh, you take him for granted anymore, you know, especially when he'd come back a few weeks ago from a five-week absence and he bangs in a 54-yarder, uh, you know, the way that he did to win a game for you in that 1916 overtime game against the Titans. I mean, you, you – it's moments like that that remind you, yeah, we shouldn't take this dude for granted. Uh, Kaimi Fairbairn for the Texans, because once upon a time ago, dude wasn't even allowed to kick from 50-plus, okay? <laughs> In the Bill O'Brien era, it was like, <laughs> don't trust it, man. Yeah. And what, what, what a wonder, uh, what a difference it has made, you know, being – under Frank Ross, having a head coach that has hell-bent confidence in all of his players from top to bottom is going to allow them uh, to at least try to be successful in situations that they've never been in before. I mean, you go back to the Amendola, 58-yard banger off the crossbar. I mean, what a story that would have been. And uh, look, without him, you very well could have been in a situation like you were uh, last weekend with the Cleveland Browns. They didn't have a kicker. They didn't have a Darian Gumbawale that can come in and, you know, bang kicks through in a pinch. Uh, so there's no reason you should ever take for granted a kicker. Um, they are maybe one of the more potentially psychopath individuals in all of sports when things go wrong. And many more times than not, it has gone awesome. For Kaimi Fairbairn, he has been a valuable, valuable piece for the Texans to uh, be able to trust uh, when they need to get points. And sometimes, unlike today, it's very comfortable, but other times in desperate measures, he's come through. We'll get to this Colts game midweek and, you know, stuff that you're looking at and breaking down that, you know, Sean. But just um, any gut feeling that we're going to get anybody else back? Is there a chance that? Grenard could be back. Do you think this final week, any shot for that? I mean, maybe. Uh, I, I I really expected to see him on a practice field this past week, and that didn't happen. I mean, he was uh, not to be seen anywhere. Uh, and by the same token, I was not expecting to see Will Anderson uh, this week. And he comes up and has one of his better, you know, games of the season today. Uh, gets a couple of sacks and uh, three quarterback hits, I think it was. But um I don't know. You know, uh, it's an ankle with Grenard. You've got one game left. Um, knowing what you have in Jerry Hughes, Derek Barnett, Will Anderson, you know, hopefully he feels okay after this game. Um, I don't know what he said at the podium, how his body, how his ankle's feeling today. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Grenard would obviously be a huge addition. Um, you know, you just hope Nelson is okay still after this game. If anything, Malik Collins would be the biggest one for me because you have you can't ever be too heavy on the interior with your defensive line and the ability to have him and Rankins work off of each other. They talk so much and have all season long about being able to feed off each other, learning things even within the course of drives on how to improve their game and just the subtle little intricacies of their attack. Um, that's how close they are. That's how well they play together. Um, I, you, you need, you really need Malik Collins back. Um, Grenard, I'd be, I'd be really interested to see how this week goes for him. You know, hopefully you, a few days rest would do him some good. You know, Grenard and Collins had to be pissed that they couldn't play against the Titans again after watching oh, yeah. what them demolish, get demolished again by the Texans defensive line in this game. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, maybe at the same time, it allowed the Texans to think a little bit more outside the box and play on some other very capable 
uh, edge rushers and, you know, trust some other interior linemen and play to their capabilities. Because, look, there's a second time in three weeks you're playing against the same opponent. Uh, you were kind of like you were kind of forced to change some things up, maybe um, because you had to just given the healthy bodies that you did not have. So maybe that played to the Texans' advantage. It allowed them to get some rest for guys like Malik Collins and Jonathan Grenard. And, uh, I don't think, you know, they're they're going to be too, too serious. Just going back and watching the play that Grenard got hurt on, it's like, yeah. And he, he, he kind of meandered around the sideline there after last week, almost like trying to think like, you know, if I can give it a go, is the training staff going to let me? He went from, you know, sideline to med tent, med tent to locker room, back to the sideline and then out. And, you know, just watching him through that whole process, it was like, well, if the guy's thinking about going, then at least we could see him on the practice field this week. I think maybe more precaution than anything else. So, um, you know, a few days off, maybe we see him on the field on Wednesday. That would be, a, I think, best case scenario for a guy like Jonathan Gennard and give you a huge boost defensively uh, going into your last game, which you fully expect to take care of business. Um, but you have to go up to a place in which from a, you know, historical standpoint, you really haven't played well in Indianapolis. I think you have three, maybe four max total wins in Indianapolis in a 22-year history for the Texans. I care much less about those types of historical stats than I do what this team is actually capable of doing on a football field this year. And getting a win like this in this fashion, I don't care what the team's record was. I don't care what they looked like, what they had at their disposal in terms of weapons. The fact that the Texans came out this stage of the season in this big of a game, potentially the final home game, uh, you know, of the season, in any season, in front of their home crowd, to play like this, complimentary football, a dominant defensive performance, holding an opponent to less than 190 yards for the first time all season, absolutely huge from a confidence standpoint. So they're going to be feeling really good about going on the road and taking care of business in Indy next week. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to – you know, what I was talking about at halftime against the Colts, it would be great if they could put together as clean a game as they did in this game because we know the Texans, Sean, have had big-time issues with penalties. And this game was a game that you just, except for that Desmond King penalty, really not much of anything. And, you know, that's the, this is the type of thing that you need to happen late in the season. The Texans basically one penalty for six yards. That was it. It's beautiful. It's the cleanest game they'd played all season long in my mind. And uh, it's kind of like it's it, it's kind of like the Cowboys and uh, Lions game last night. I don't really count that as a loss for the Lions. The referees screwed that up. Uh, yeah. I don't really count that as a penalty for Des King. Uh, I'm not going to say the referees screwed it up because I actually talked to Des King after the game today. And I said, hey, you know, take me through that play. You know, what what happened? Did you seek an explanation there? Um, you know, what, what was the deal? And he was like, man, I didn't hear the whistle. You know, I just did what we're taught to do, just play through it. You know, the guy's still standing up trying to get out, and I went over there and took the ball, and, you know, they said what they said, and I was like, okay, I just I didn't hear the whistle. Yeah, the and refs don't account for the fact that it's possible that you don't hear a whistle when the game is, you know, is in a big moment like that, and you're in the end zone. So the crowd's louder than it ever is because they're yeah. right on top of you right there. If, if people haven't been on down on the field, the loudest place to be is in the end zones, and it's hard to hear. Yeah, yeah, no question. And look, I'm in the press box. We can't hear a darn thing up there. So that's going to be something I, I'll be going back and looking at and watching on TV and seeing, you know, okay, all right, when the whistle blew versus when when it happened. But, I mean, that, it was just incredible. I asked Des about that. Like, man, that's twice in five games, which you've had the same situation happen to you. You, you took the, the strip against the Broncos to the house, they had that called back because the guy was in the grasp. Forward progress was ruled. You took the ball away here. That was a sure six if he goes. <laughs> and, yeah. and Dez was like, yeah. And, oh, by the way, this is from Dez. He goes, yeah, and I should have had a pick six, you know, on the first couple of defensive series. I think it was the first defensive yeah, series. Yeah, really that's what we talked about out. earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, man, you're right. And then uh, I think it was uh, Aaron Wilson who came by and said, man, these things comes in threes. I'm like, well, then we won't count that near pick six on that first defensive possession because I'm just waiting for the third one uh, to happen. Because De Desmond is destined to get a defensive score. Uh, he's got one more game to do it, man. He's just been right there so close and been the beneficiary of a bad call both times. Yeah, so uh, it's incredible stuff here. The Texans. As we enter 2024, on the first day of 2024, 
the Texans are in the playoffs and the, at the first day of 2024, according to what the playoff picture looks like. Of course, you know, they got to take care of business against the Colts. The Colts have always been an issue, especially up in Indianapolis. There's a long history of that. If you're a Texans fan, you know the struggles they've had in Indianapolis. Um, the funny thing was last year, the last thing we wanted them to do, Sean, was win the game in Indianapolis on the last game of the season up in Indy. And what did they do? They won the game. Now this yeah. year, you know, the last thing we need is them to lose the game. So hopefully, you know, they can just uh, pretend like you're uh, you're, you're going to screw up the, the the quarterback deal again in the first pick of the draft when you go up there. I don't know. Just somehow you got to move the mojo around in Indianapolis because even when you win in Indy, sometimes you lose in Indy. It, it feels like, even though it turns out, you know, you get CJ Stroud and it turned out to be a win. Yeah, it's. Uh, I imagine I'll be writing about that at least once uh, this week on SportsRadio610.com. Um, that storyline. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff, man. It's just weird how the NFL, it's sports, not just the NFL. It's, it's just sports. I mean, these <laughs> ironic things just tend to happen, man, that uh, the scene of the crime going back literally the last game of the season. So we'll see. You got a different mojo to begin with already. And it starts with D'Amico Ryans and, you know, 50% of a completely different roster now and a quarterback that doesn't give a rip about that kind of a stuff. And, um, Again, like I said, the the most useless, meaningless, horse crap, you know, historical stat there is, is what head-to-heads are uh, in teams that have taken place over 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Who cares? Throw it out the window. Um, this is about as good as it gets, though, in the NFL. When you've got two teams vying for, um, you know, the, the division or just a playoff spot and you get to face – I mean, next week it's the Texans' first playoff game. You know, it's it's potentially a winner go home kind of a thing, and um, you, you gotta you gotta do something. And what better situation than the guy that you have now that you didn't really want? <laughs> you know, this time last year, you had one guy and one guy only in mind. And um, man, I'm sure I'm sure glad the Houston Texans and the Texan fans have uh, C.J. Stroud. So it's gonna be a lot of fun now. Yeah, Bryce went down with an injury today. Um, I, I didn't catch the details on, on that, but it didn't look good at all for, for Bryce Young. It's been a rough year for him. Um, I just got to say we're seven and a half hours away from 2024. I want to wish all of the fans of our show a happy new year. I hope you guys have a good 2024. I hope 2023 has been uh, good for you. And uh, we'll see you the next time we'll see you. Is, is in the new year. I plan to have some some guests this week. So not just me and Sean, look for some other guests. I'm hoping to have a Colts insider this week for sure to talk about this game coming up because um, obviously it's uh, it's do or die for both teams. So this just should be a fun one. Thanks so much for doing this again, Sean. And we'll talk to everybody next year. You got it. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.